You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. What is going on, my people? Welcome to another episode of Can We Talk? It's your boy Eric. I'm here with the usual suspects, our co-host Shane and Anthony. And we got two special guests. Kenya is in the building again. Week two, back to back. We might have her on as a She might be a regular. Like Drake. She <laughs> right. might be a lifer. Right. Back to back like Drake. Can we talk? <laughs> right. And we got another special guest, Sherman. Sherman was good, man. Hey, it's good, good, good to be here. A little nervous, but uh, uh, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. nervous. So look, so a little background on Sherman. Sherman, you could give your background if you if you please. A little bit, uh, background. Um, thirty five years old. Um, never really cared much about politics until uh, this last election for the president. And uh, ever since then, I've been like addicted to news. Okay. So I, well, I listen to like three to four hours a day, just feeding myself with all this different information. So. Yeah. When I heard Shayna, uh, my cousin had a podcast she was on, I watched it one, one of the episodes and I said, oh, I wouldn't mind being on there. So I figured awesome. I'd come in as long as you guys are nice. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to be I've nice. And I've known people. Sherman for like like over half of my life. Oh, okay. Okay. You'll be fine, Sherman. So our main topic is going to be identity politics. We're going to talk about, you know, Sherman's political ideology, you know, him being a Trump supporter. But we get into that later. Uh, first off, how was everyone's week? How did y'all? Uh, Anthony, good to I'm see back, you. I'm back, man. You back? The mechanic kind of, you know, threw me for a loop, but I'm back now. So I what, got, what I got happened? a new mechanic, man. What happened? Man, it wasn't even the mechanic's fault. I was BSing. But, you know, <laughs> the thing was, like, I had to get my brakes fixed and my exhaust flex pipe fixed. Mm-hmm. And then there was another problem with my coils and stuff like that. I just got an old car. So it was another problem. <laughs> Put these in quotations because, you know, they always say, oh, it's another problem with your car. Are you going well, for oil change? You got to get a filter. You got to get some coils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But I went to another one. and They, they gave me the... They gave me the straight story, and I, I, I like them for that. A&S. That's what the place is. A&S. A&S seven Mile Shout Shainer. Shout out to A&S. Shout out to him. Hey. Shout out to Seven <laughs> Mile Shainer. <laughs> Call for Sean. Call. Thanks for Sean. All right, Sean. We're going we gonna to look out for you. Um, Kenya, so some some events happened since our last episode. Mm-hmm. Give, give people a little bit of insight. You don't got to go all into it. I know you're working on it. As far as? As far as, like, meeting with Quest, you know, potentially getting oh, some work in the- why you all- Put me on. You trying to put me on the spot no, like that? No, I'm going. Just can we talk? You don't got to give too much insight. Just <laughs> say right. you know. You're right. So everybody knows that I have kinship, different bubbles. Uh, a big part of it that's coming soon is my creative side. So I'm like creative of this uh, whole brand called Kentertainment that people aren't really nice. hip to, and so it's really like quiet and sneaky. You know, like Keep I'm trying low. to just come in and just be like boom. Right. I just want to like surprise the world. But if you watch it, can we talk? You know that it's coming soon, and yeah. I'm excited. Yes, I did get to meet with Quest. That was a yep. fun time man so big things are in store for king i'm excited i'm excited for the, the future in this year it's gonna be cool yeah shana what's been going on you got a shout out to your daughter's oh, yeah uh, yesterday we started it. our annual fundraiser for her competitive swim team okay. so mm-hmm. like we take cash cash app dollar sign <laughs> razor aquatics um a check and there's also a website 2019 fundraiser with a z okay dot causevox dot com if you wanted to go directly that's the general mm. page if you want to go to my dot directly to my daughter's page is 2019 fundraiser dot com no fundraiser dot backslash jordan j-o-r-d-y-n dash mathis okay so how much are y'all trying to raise what's the goal $30,000. It is very expensive this. because uh, we do not have our own facility, so we rent 
mm. pool uh, time at public schools. Right now, we're out of two p- different public schools, one uh, out of the city of Dearborn, a mm. middle school, and then a, a high school out of Redford, Michigan. And okay. they practice six days a week. Wow. So, again, what's what's the fundraiser for? It's for to for the pool fees. The pool fees are about they're 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 tens of thousand dollars like okay. a year. So at the same time of us trying to save so that we could uh, so that the coach can build his own facility from the ground up, uh, we need coaching fees uh, so we can get you know our kids the correct type of training. And we're also trying to expand our team. Um, in order to get on the team, you do not know have to know how to swim. You just have to have like good athletic ability, and they will train you. From not knowing how to swim mm-hmm. to being a competitive swimmer. Do you have this stuff for adults? Because I can't swim. I need. He does need have practice. adult lessons, but he is hard on the kids. So I'm scared. Uh, right. <laughs> how important it is for us dr- to know how to swim. Right, I'll drown. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is, um, cause it, to look at the kids, like while they're in practice mm-hmm. and at swim meets, it is very inspiring to see them, to see how hard they work and to see how far the kids have come, you know, like even with a short amount of time, like I've seen kids that did not know how to swim, yeah. but kill it in races, like in, in, uh, swim meets. And, um, and then you see adults when he does the adult swim lessons, they be struggling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just like, <laughs> So how did so did your daughter kind of know how to swim prior to joining or was she this- kind of knew how to swim? Uh, she was at a swim school uh, for about a year prior to that uh, before she tried out. When she tried out, it was like no water. It's like a no water test. Um, she like had to run, sprint, yeah. sit ups, pull ups, and she you know that's how she made her way onto the team. It's been almost a year. Okay. So, so we got the Olympics in her future. Mm-hmm. Olympics she's 20, scared of the Olympics. 20, <laughs> <laughs> She's scared because she thinks that the pool is big. Yeah. But I'm like, it's only 50 yards, Jordan. Yeah. Like you swim 100 yards. So she got this. Like nothing. But the thing is, you, you prepare her young. So once she gets to high school and, you know, college, hopefully she gets that scholarship. You know, go to Michigan State. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know after that nasty you say, shit. You say, you know what? Yeah, for real. <laughs> Sherman, what, what's going on in your world, man? We got any uh, any updates? Any projects you working on? Yeah, um, nothing as important, but uh, <laughs> no, it's kind of important. Um, I haven't seen my dad uh, in like over ten years because he's down in Jamaica now. Yeah, and uh, my lovely sister Sweelan, she used her own money to buy me a two week uh, trip down there. Wow! So I'm leaving next Thursday. That's awesome! That's awesome! That's, awesome. So that's gonna be Shout nice. Shout out to Sweelan. I've known her yeah. since she was like three. She's like. With twenty now, yeah, she's wow. twenty. And she loves her older brother, and she she just went to see her father down in Florida. Mm. So she's like, "Oh, that's not fair." Sherman hasn't seen his dad, so she bought a ticket, and uh, I'm I'm leaving on Thursday. So that's awesome. It's gonna be really good. And then uh, other than that, my ten year old son, he's at the house probably playing Fortnite, Fortnite. right now. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, I can't wait to get back to him because I like Fortnite, too. So It's <laughs> awesome. So it sounds like some great things are happening in everybody's lives. You know, for me, nothing special. What I did switch jobs recently. So I'm, I'm in a new gig doing some diversity inclusion stuff. Um, you know, so I'm excited for that. You know, continue to get some, some more people of color in these professions and, you know, see what happens from there. But let's go to the next segment because I think for me, I'm just happy that this whole shutdown is over. Is it, is it temporarily but it's temporary right so I'm, my frustration is that the fact in three weeks we can end up doing this again um but i'm I'm happy that people are gonna get paid for their time off i get they're gonna get back pay i guess um mm-hmm. you know for the past couple of weeks they're out 
But it's a step, but who knows where it's going to lead. So my biggest fear is, again, in three weeks, same thing's going to happen. You know, same impact is going to be felt the past four weeks is going to be felt again, you know, for three weeks to follow. Um, did y'all hear about Roger Stone, too? I know Roger oh, Stone. that was... Mm. I was looking at the news. Like, they pulled up to my man's house six in the morning. years old, though. Like, but it was the? hilarious the way they did it, though. Six, six in the morning, put up to his house with guns. Just like... <laughs> like 12 people to arrest a senior citizen. Like, it's about time, gonna make though. a run for it. No, it's about I mean, time. We, need, we mm. need some some, represent, some equal representation in terms of, like, policing. You know, on these politicians and these mm-hmm. figures. Man, they had a funny skit on Saturday Night Live last night. It was really hilarious. That. Like, they had, like, the um like a whole movie, like, action adventure, like, people coming through the walls and just coming to get them. It was, like, Let's hilarious. The and the black dude, I can't remember his name, Shay, on oh, yeah, Saturday yeah. Night Live, I'm he was Shay. talking about uh, he finally excited because now, um, like you saying, yeah. we can see the same thing and how they come on black people. He was like, the For only real. thing that was missing is I wish he would have had on boxers and no shirt. <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. And you would have saw that Nixon tattoo on his back. <laughs> hey, that's kind of weird, though. Did y'all see, like, at the end of his speech, after he came out of the courthouse, he did, like, the little Nixon salute. It was like, no, nah, this is that. nuts. Nixon is a criminal. Roger Stone is a character, though. He is. Um, who, would play, who would play Roger Stone in the movie? When Christian awesome. Bale. He, he pulled off Dick Cheney. He did pull off Dick Cheney. Do, I think he can do Roger That's Stone. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. But are, we, are we not doing phrasing anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I do him. No. No. But you know what? I think that we're going to, uh, in, in the next 10, 15 years, the movie that's going to be made from this whole situation is going to be hilarious. It's going to be and a Netflix special. I'm still <laughs> waiting on the Kwame Kilpatrick movie starring Forrest Whitaker. I was waiting Forrest on that. Whitaker. I was waiting on that for so long. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest. I mean, he's bald, so he got that. But Forrest Whitaker, of all people you're going to choose, yeah. this is my man um, Chadwick Boseman. He's going to play him. He play them all. No. Yeah, he plays all the historical Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, that's pretty much it for my segment. Um, Shayna, you got anything for Hip Hop? J. Cole. Dropped a single. Was I mean, is an album coming? Because like nowadays, it's like they people drop singles, but there's like no album in sight. Yeah, I think he just Maybe. does what he wants to do. Really, he likes to keep his fans on his toe on their toes. It's not a bad marketing uh, campaign either. I like the way J Cole surprise album drops. Yeah, I just don't feel. I'm not into J Cole like that. Really, I don't, I don't care for it. It's cool. I mean, it's like it's a solid song, but I'm like. Is it going to give me just to play it multiple times? Probably not. He has star-provoking ideas. I, li- I like his yeah. ideas. I like the ideas behind his music. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um, I wanted to give a... So did you like the J. Cole song, Middle Child? I did. I enjoyed it. But like when we came in, I'm like, I don't have anything for my hip-hop corner. And you like J. Cole. Because you forgot I about forgot it. about it. Like, he's so for- <laughs> yeah, forgettable. He's forgettable as an artist. <laughs> Not at all. I disagree. We we ain't going to do him like that. Uh, But I I, I did want to say that I did listen to Boogie's new album. uh Boogie is um, a new signee of Shady Records from Compton. Mm -hmm. He has a new album called Everything's for Sale. It's a short 40-minute album. It's pretty good. He's a a conscious dude. Um, Some people make similarities to Kendrick, but I think Boogie is his own artist. They're both they're both similar, but they both have their own style. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great features. It had had Black, it had Eminem, it had J.I.D., among some other people. Yeah, I think it, it went by good. Okay. Okay. So I, I'd recommend that. Everything's for sale. That's what's up. Anything else? Anybody listen to something? I mean, it's not hip hop corner, but I'm just like 
you know, like me, I'm number one to talk shit about nineties babies, but <laughs> hey, what's on like they bring back, they coming with the good R and B. Like I can't even front. You know, what? like they're filling the void. They they're bringing it back to the essence. Yes, Summer but, Walker, Daniel Caesar, her yeah, Lucky Day. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I think this. Wait, wait. This is a pivotal moment here. Shayna, <laughs> Shayna, Shayna is changing her mind about something. That's true. This is a pivotal moment. So, what do you think it is? You think it's just people are. You think people were just missing that? Like the younger people was like, all right, I, I kind of I grew up off this. I was missing this sort of vibe that the nineties had. And they're just trying to fill that void or what? I think so. Because, you know, because I'm a, you know, 80s. I was born in the 80s, came up in the 90s. So, you know, by the time, you know, the, you know, the Pied Piper, you know, he kind of mixed the rap with the, and then people just took off with it. And then the auto tune and, you know, yeah, Snoop making R&B songs. (laughs) So. Well, things go in cycles, though. It's true. It's true. Look at fashion, you know. Everybody wearing the stuff they wore back in the eighties and seventies, nineties, cross colors, right? Well, that's interesting though. I I, I gotta listen a little bit more R and B because that's for like this whole generation. I just kind of lost touch because they just I don't know. Maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm just coming to old man. Just like get off my lawn. You always talking about you. Oh, and you're not even thirty yet. <clears throat> Almost a couple of years from oh, it. God. I'm feeling it. Um, Eric's just an old soul. I, was I, say, I think, I think so. I think so. <laughs> He's just an old soul. Like kids these days. <laughs> just don't know. Um, Anthony, your two cents. All right, I got two things. I'm going to wrap up the first thing because, like, whatever. <laughs> I went to see Serenity. It's a new film with Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway, and Jason Clark. So I'll just give you the brief synopsis. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays a fisherman who ex, whose ex-wife, Anne Hathaway, comes to town and makes a proposition to him to kill her abusive husband, played by Jason Clark. So her and Matthew McConaughey, their son is in this abusive home. She took she took him with her when she went and married this guy. So Matthew McConaughey is trying to wrestle with whether he wants to kill this guy. So there's a big surprising twist that comes in two-thirds through the movie that I think belonged to another film. When I say like that, I mean the, the surprising twist is just so unbelievable and wacky. I think it belonged to another script the the writer was writing, so he just threw it in there like, okay, this is the big twist. Wow. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this movie, man. It's like I enjoyed it, but I was like, I, that that twist came out of left field. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it's just like the twist is is beyond M Night Shyamalan laughable. Dang. Well, speaking of M Night Shyamalan, did anyone see? I didn't. I still haven't Bird seen Bird Oh, no, no, glass. No, no, glass. 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 I still haven't seen Glass. I'm not going to see Serenity. Hey, man, I say Glass was a little better than Serenity. What? I'll say that. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, I kind of enjoyed it. It was interesting at the end, but. The first two thirds were great to me in Glass. Yeah. It's just the last third yeah. that was like whatever. But um, we got to talk about True Detective. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah true Detective true. has a new season mm-hmm. with uh, Marshana Ali in the lead Mahershala. role. Shala. Mahershala Ali. He's already shortened his name. Mahershala, <laughs> Mahershala Ali? Oh, yes. thank you. Thank Wait, what you. Was this, what I was saying Marshala for the longest time. Mahershala. <laughs> so he does a great job in the lead role. I'll say that. The performances are all great. You got Steven Dorff, a.k.a. the villain from Blade One. You got Carmen E. Jojo. She does great. Mm. I'm, I, I'm not that excited about the mystery and the story. Yeah. I like the way they frame in the story from the... 80s, 90s to present day, mm-hmm. but I don't know, Shana. What do you think about the first three episodes? I think they're very good, but the thing that kind of stood out to me, like his son is oh. played by the same gentleman that plays Cyborg. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. sounds like Cyborg. 
Like, he sounds like he sounds like side with dad. Like, 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 <laughs> so he tries to add a southern twang to his voice, the son. Mm. But, but I, yeah, I think it's uh they it's very um interesting. It's good to me so far. It it it's started off way better than the second season. My mom, I was talking to my mom because she was like, I want to start watching it. I was like, watch the first season. You can skip the second one. I'd say watch the first season. Take a break. Watch the second, but watch the second on its own. Like, don't compare well, it to the first. I heard the first season and the third season have a lot of stuff in common. Is that true? Yeah, it's a return to form because uh-huh. I guess the creator heard the notes that he got from the second season that he yeah. went a little too ambitious with it and mm-hmm. just kept it down to, like, two detectives. Okay. I mean, it works. It works in most ways. It's just that the mystery to me isn't as compelling as it usually is. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I kind of got the whole Paradise. Was it Paradise Lost? The uh The... The documentary about the three gentlemen that were wrongfully convicted. Yeah, Paradise Lost. Yeah. Paradise Lost. That's mm-hmm. what I'm like. Oh, this kind of seems kind of like that. Yeah, kind of sure. small town place. Yeah, but it is solid. I give it that. It's solid. Okay. All right. Um, is that it? Is anything? Any Netflix shows? Any? Man, man, I started Better Call Saul. You just started? I that? just started Better Call Saul. My man, I've been fucking sleep. It's, it's pretty good. It's really good. The thing with that is, I've been waiting for that show to end so I can like watch it all the way through because I'm a Breaking Bad fan. That's yeah. my favorite show. But I feel like with Better Call Saul, I want it to end just so I can watch the whole thing. I don't know when it's gonna end. They just got renewed for a fifth season. Yeah. Well, so I don't know when it's gonna end. And they got a they got a Breaking Bad sequel film coming out too. I heard about that. Really? Yeah. It's gonna follow Jesse. I'm gonna say didn't make a dad. But I just um, <laughs> <laughs> But um I just uh binge watched a British show called Top Boy. That, okay. that went for two seasons. Um it's about it's about drug dealers and it's like this little like like a uh, ghetto neighborhood in Britain. Wait, um, wait. Two British seasons? So, like, ten episodes total? <laughs> no, no, no. Four. Eight, <laughs> eight episodes. Eight episodes. So, it's four episodes a season. It goes by fast. Like you said. Um, I know, yeah, they get right to the point. For real. That's, that's what I like, though. I know Drake and Maverick Carter are executive producing the new third season that Netflix is bringing back for, like, ten more episodes. Um, it's a solid show, man. Yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, it goes by pretty well. It's more about the relationships than about the drug game itself. I yeah. liked it. I enjoyed it. Another good British show on Netflix, Sex Education. I don't know if you've seen it yet. That's I a, new a trailer one. for it. it That's pretty good. Out. So it's, it's basically following this um this kid from his British high school who gives his parent. His mother is a sex therapist, and he kind of gives good advice to his classmates about sex. And so they all kind of gravitate towards him. He becomes like the school. So it's like the live action Big Mouth. He, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um. Have you Have you seen it? You haven't seen. It? I've seen a few episodes of Big Mouth. I haven't yeah. watched it regularly. Um, <laughs> it's but it's kind, of, it's kind of raunchy in the fact that, again, it's a lot of... I think Big Mouth is out to things. say something, though. Big Mouth is out to educate. In a raunchy way, but it's out to educate. Yeah. Big Mouth is my style. It's just I have so many other shows that I'm watching and trying to watch that I'm so far behind. Yeah. Right. Well, sex education is kind of weird because it's set in present day, but everyone kind of dressed like they're in the 80s. It's kind of weird. <laughs> It's, it's interesting. It's like they drive like '80s cars. They wear like these old, like colorful, you know, shirts. And yes. Hey, I got one more thing. Shout out to Shayna. I started watching Billions. I oh. really, I really do like it. I'm in the first season. I, I enjoy it. It's okay. definitely a dialogue-driven show. Yeah. Well, I think that might be it for the segment. So let's go into the main topic, y'all. All right. And so today's topic, we're going to talk about sort of identity politics. 
And what does it mean to truly be a Republican or Democrat as an African-American? And so uh, Sherman here, as we stated earlier, is a Trump supporter. He's an African-American Trump supporter. I'm um, sure so you get a lot of criticism for that, right? I usually don't uh, bring it up <laughs> unless <laughs> I, I trust the person. Yeah. How I play it, like when I'm at work or uh, around a lot of people I don't know, I just stay neutral. Yeah. Like I'll question their belief or what their their statement is mm-hmm. as if I were mm-hmm. on the other side, but I never like come straight out and start, you know, being forceful mm-hmm. with it. I just ask questions. I just love getting people's opinions, reason why they believe what they believe. Yeah. And just what, leave it at that. This is going to be a good dialogue because I think a lot of times we have these, we judge people based off of, you know, who they vote for, what they believe. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a lot of us to have a true conversation, you know, about political identity, what it means to be, whether black Democrat, Republican, whatever that is, independent. Um, so for you, Sherman, what was your driving or your mindset behind, you know, going voting for Trump, sort of being a Republican? Right. <clears throat> like I said earlier, wasn't in politics, you know, didn't care about it much. When I started seeing uh, Trump on the news, like a lot of people did, you got all this free advertisement because of how much people hated everything he was saying and doing. I started saying it wouldn't be funny if he actually went somewhere. Because yeah. this guy is being shunned and, and and laughed at by everybody, so I started paying attention a little bit, and I saw him getting more and more popular. And then I actually started listening to things he was saying. Clearly, he wasn't a politician by you know by speak. He was too brass and name called, giving people these negative nicknames. Mm-hmm. But the things he was saying were simple, like trying to bring jobs back, you know, fixing tariffs, you know, things like that. Yeah. Things I didn't really care about ahead of time. Once I started hearing him talk about it. It was entertaining watching him, mm-hmm. so it made me find politics more entertaining. So then I actually listened more and, and researched more. And mm-hmm. I don't know, once he became the nominee, I was like, well, I'm listening to both sides. I prefer his more, even if I don't like his technique, his brashness, and maybe his inexperience mm-hmm. in general. Um, and then I decided to vote for him. And, you know, I had a one cousin, Julius. He was actually uh, – <laughs> The only person in my family that's actually on my side with yeah. him, even though he criticized him too, a little bit more than me. But um, I don't know. I felt like he would, would get the job better in the direction that I wanted than uh, his opposition. And ever since then, anybody who knows that I support him, want me to justify everything he says and does, which yeah. that's not my job, really. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. So when you were looking at, uh, what well, you weren't involved much in politics. So did you vote prior to that, or is this your, like your first? Yeah, time of course, voting? Obama. Yeah. <laughs> I voted for him. Yeah. Um, but just because he was black, like, yeah. I'm, it's bad to say, but I'm sure it's true for a lot of uh, colored folks. You're being truthful. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, we never had a black president. I want to see him before I die. So yes, put him in there. <laughs> he, I mean, he came out of nowhere, no experience like that. But it was it was a chance to see what he someone in a, uh, of his skin color. Which afterwards I realized it shouldn't really matter what color his skin is. I should have listened more to what he was promising. And then once he was in there. Did he stick to those promises? But nine out of ten politics will say politicians will say whatever they need to to get elected, and then yeah. once they're in there, it's like what happened to all those promises? So yeah. I will admit, we already know Shane yeah. got some beef with uh, Brock. Yeah. See, yeah, I'm about to say I got a little <laughs> disappointment in that man. <laughs> he had a real chance to do some good, but I have a question. So help me, help me if I'm wrong. So. Mm-hmm. What I'm getting here is that when you were comparing, you know, Trump to Clinton or the other nominees, Trump Trump entertained you. He gripped you right. with his speeches. Right. So yeah. that was the main driving force behind your support? Uh, it was the main driving force to be interested in politics. Okay. And then once I listened to what he was saying compared to others, he broke it down. He was like he wasn't hiding behind 
political talk. He wasn't, you know, making sure he had the, just the right hand gestures and, you know, rehearsing a speech. It just sounded like he was coming from the heart. He felt more genuine. He felt like he didn't have something to gain as much as these other people. Like, he, I mean, debatable how rich he is. He was already rich and known and powerful. So these other people, they want that. They've been <laughs> training their whole life to get the, like, highest uh, position in the nation. And you can see that in him. It's like, dude, I'll say anything if you just vote for me. Where he was just, I don't know, talk, talk from the heart. I care about this country. And um, I'd rather vote for that than somebody who just wants to get in there for the title. That's how it made me feel. Yeah. I mean, there are points to that that I agree with. I think that politicians are too sort of scripted. They're too just like, um, you know, they play this this role, this persona. When honestly, I just want somebody who's real. Like who who's, you know, who's going to. Not going to change once they get in power. So I, I can agree with you on that, on that regard. Um, but for you, did you face any sort of, like, did you question your, your decision once he was elected and you started to see all this, this stuff happen, you know, in terms of like the negative stuff being brought up? Have you ever tra- like swayed away from Trump or are you kind of like steady with, with well, backing him? Well, I stayed steady. Um, I don't know. I've always liked to vote, uh, rooting for the underdog and I feel like he has so much opposition. Obviously, the Democrat, but then all these Hollywood stars come out against him, late-night comedians, even people in his own party. Ah, he sucks. He's terrible. But then you listen to what they're complaining about. It's mostly his his methods. They don't, they don't cry so much about what he's pushing for. They cry about his mean tweets and the fact that he's too brass and too, un, um, um, too unpresidential. So, much, so little talk is about what he's actually pushing for, which I think is the bigger picture anyway. So that's why I find it easier to just defend what he's fighting for as opposed to how he's fighting. So that's how I handle that. I see that. I mean, so, Kenny, I know that you do a lot of stuff in the community, um, you know, supporting people and creating programs. Uh, For you, you know, as someone who sort of understands the plight, you know, going on in the city of Detroit, struggles that people are going through, and you hear someone who may have, um, I guess, an adverse sort of, ideology that you may have are there any ways or is there anything you agree with him about you know that you think that democrats and republicans should do better in order to support our community well first off i agree with a lot of what he's saying um one of the the troubles that i have now because i grew up in a very democratic home not so much so not right i'm independent in my mind do i still vote democrat in certain ways probably more democrat than other ways yes um but I do believe that there is a um, it's a threat to our to what we really want in our communities when we kind of back one party and not understand the holisticness of the political system. And so saying that. I hear exactly what he's saying in the fact that when people seen Trump, just like how people seen Bernie, they seen a some type of challenging to the system that currently exists. And so when you hear somebody talking about, well, this person came out and they made me interested, they made me listen, it does change your perspective on how we even come into politics in the first place. Like he said, a lot of us voted for Barack because he was black, but we don't think about policy issues. We don't think about what we're gaining in the long term. We only think about the vote. And the political process is a whole process, you know, from educating yourself before that person comes in to actually getting to the booth to go out, cast your vote. 
And then after that, holding those people accountable, which a lot of times we slack on. And I feel, you know, I don't know, (laughs) even if Trump would have made me listen, looking at him after the fact, I still would question his policies and say, I'm going to hold you accountable because you're still not doing half of the stuff you said you were going to do, which is which is the thing with a lot of politicians, though. And so what I'm pushing for right now, and I've been having a lot of talks with people. Because you know how the brand of politic and one of the things I think is so important is voter education. But making us understand that we shouldn't be backing one party. I do not believe that. I think we need to become more strategic because black politics don't exist in 2019. (laughs) And that's the thing that people have lost. And we get caught up when we think about even um, this idea. I like Barack for one reason. He was a symbolic (laughs) president. His symbolism across this trajectory of black politics was so important, just like a Jesse Jackson, just like a Shirley Chisholm. All of these people who made strides to kind of open up the gate for us to kind of grow or evolve in a political world. Now, did he do things that I would have done in office? Hell no. (laughs) But I feel like when we start thinking about politics differently, we have to organize. And I think we miss organization across spectrums, whether we believe in Republican views, whether we believe in Democratic views, Green Party, whatever you (laughs) choose to want to support. But we have to become more strategic because it's not wrong for us. I think in some counties we should be voting Democrat. In other counties, it might be smart to be coming out and showing up Republican. But that comes on us being able to understand what it is we're fighting for and what we want. Yeah. And that's real. I think I think that um, the two party systems that we align ourselves with in this country, it puts you into this box and you have to choose. You have to pick and choose. And a lot of times it's unfortunate that Democrats believe that they automatically have a vote because I think that's definitely a disservice to us as a community. Uh, but we need to provide candidates who not only provide the symbol, provide the symbolism like Barack Obama did, but also the substance. Mm-hmm. And with the 2008 election, like you said, it was all about just getting him in office. You know, I think that was just the main thing. We wanted to see that our country was making progress just um, just socially, that we were at the point where we can elect a black man. Now, in 2019, I'm like, all right, we're going to need to find somebody, regardless of what you look like, who you are. Are you benefiting our communities? Are you do, Are you truly preaching, you know, practicing what you preach? And I think that Trump, to an extent, he gave people, especially Republican rural voters, um, the sense of like he's looking out for me, my interest. Right. He does pander to the black people in some ways, you know, say, oh, we're going to we're going to come in lower crime. We're going to put in, you know, more, more police in whatever that may be. What you got to lose? What have you got to lose? To me, but to me, that was a valid question. Yes. That because what what? I mean, other than the rise of hate groups. Right. <laughs> what has happened to black people under Trump that did not happen under Obama? Man, and to piggyback off of what she said, during the Obama years, black journalism failed us. They failed us mm-hmm. completely. We could not critique Obama Without being without some sort of backlash, everybody trying to get into the party. Oh, Jill Scott going to be at the White House. So I can't I want to keep my press pass so I can see Stevie Wonder. And, you know, everybody trying to keep their press pass. So so they um, they don't critique Obama or his policies or, you know, or how they negatively uh, affected or they did not help black people while he was in the White House. And also to piggyback off that, what did black people ask Obama for? This is the only side that I'll ever, (laughs) that's the only like backing that I'll ever give him is that 
out of all of these groups, when you look at the LGBTQ community, when you look at some of these other communities, even white folks, when you look at black people, what do we ask them for? On a on a yeah. like on an organized now, platform. I have my issues with Tavis Smiley and Dr. Cornell West, but we owe them an apology. <laughs> <laughs> we owe them because those were the only two prominent black people mm-hmm. that was like, "Hey, what you gonna do for black people? Hey, what are you yeah. going to do on poverty?" Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you have people like Al Sharpton, like, "Well, we gonna wait till the second term." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, what good is that gonna do? No organization across I gotta our say, I'm split. I. I got to say I'm split. I, I see both sides, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I see what y'all saying, and I'm with y'all on that, but the under, at the, my other side of me is saying, well, he's the president of the United States, not just black people. Black people that, built this country. But yeah. you also have to look at the president is only a figurehead. They they don't have all the control. That's why you have three branches of government. So mm-hmm. the president can try to do as much as he can, or she or she can within their power, but ultimately... You got the judicial, you got the legislative who are making a lot of decisions. And if you can't verbalize why something needs to be done, then you shouldn't be a politician. True. <laughs> and I agree. Like <clears throat> like you said, um, you're going to do so much as president, which I feel like as Trump, even if you have all this fear of what he's going to do, like you said, there's checks. And they stopped him when they felt like he was doing too much. And then with Obama... It's like, what did he push for that didn't go through? Like, even if he was trying to do things that would have better, you know, uh, African-Americans and minorities, whatever, show evidence of trying. And then when he gets shot down, we can say, hey, why did you shoot that down? But it wasn't a lot there to even criticize that or have that opinion. I I would concess that slightly. I think that for the first couple of years of Trump's term, he had Republican House, Senate, Obviously, the presidency. So mm-hmm. he was passing executive orders, you know, without <laughs> oversight of the, the, the um, legislative or judicial. He was um, he had the House and Senate to, to pass policies at his discretion. Mm-hmm. And now, even with the border wall situation, he could have did that this first year. He had the House. He had the Senate. He could have got legislation passed and that could have been done. But I think he's creating this this narrative that, you know, um, you know, the, the Democrats in legislature aren't doing their job or they're they're being sort of. They're fighting him tooth and nail, but that's not the truth. He could have literally passed this his first week if he was in office. He, he wanted to get the wall because Mitch McConnell don't want the wall. <laughs> Mitch McConnell, Mitch, yeah, I can't stand Mitch McConnell. Though. Him personally, I think that he, as a politician, he's kind of a coward. You know, he's backing. I think he might have called out Trump during the um the, the primaries prior to the election. He was calling out Trump, and a lot of Republicans in the Senate did too. <laughs> but then once he get in power, he's using him now as a tool to get everything that, that Republicans want. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind of a coward so, way to look at him. Though. Are you? Well, you can go ahead. I was oh, yeah. going to ask a different question. Yeah, because I want to stay on this. Because um, I've heard that from my friends. Like, well, why did he wait two years? And I thought that was a valid uh, point. So I thought about it. All the Republicans said. Uh, this Obamacare is bad. We should get rid of it. And then when Trump says let's get rid of it, who, who, who says we shouldn't do it? Not the, well, of course, Democrats did, but it was John McCain and a couple other Republicans. They flipped their position. And then when uh, the taxes were uh, tax reform was trying to go through, he had to convince Republicans, look, don't falter on this. We said we want to pass this. So I feel like even if he wins, um, you know, most of the Republicans, there's still some that no matter, even if it follows what they want, they look at him and say, no, nah, we don't want to agree with you. So I think that whole the wall thing 
It's the same thing. He's not just fighting Democrats. He's fighting Republicans. But some of it's due to just a bad policy, though. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes but it's like, policy that they've supported before. That's the problem. I don't understand. I mean, that. but the narrative with the border with the border wall is that, yes, there's been policy to, to build security along the border. Right. But there's no been no policy to build 500 miles of, of wall. Right. You're looking at weak points that aren't cutting into people's land. that isn't cutting through the Rio Grande. You have natural barriers that exist on the, um, the border. You don't need a wall. You don't necessarily need a wall. How about looking at increasing security measures uh, through technology, uh, through the use of like drones, through the use of other avenues as opposed to this physical structure that doesn't work? So I mean, that's <laughs> that's the only difference because obviously physical barriers. There's there's ways to get over above and around. Um, there's a whole the largest border in the in the world is the U.S. Canadian border, right? So there's ways to get into the United States. So I think that's just a a scare tactic I, I people are using. I think the issue, and I don't think uh, Trump is smart enough to verbalize this, <laughs> is the birthright citizenship. Scary. We are the only first world country with birthright citizenship. There are mm. even third. I can't go to Nigeria and have a baby, and mm. then that baby be a Nigerian citizen. Mm. So, and there are people that know the value of U.S. citizenship. So they'll get pregnant in their home country mm. and then come over here and have a baby. And then there are a lot of people that come here and work and then mm. they send the money back home. Mm. And I mean, American middle class, you got to uh, have what? 150 mm. between, you know, hard and liquid assets. Right. That's not the same in Mexico. So you can right. you can come here make $16 an hour, save for five years, and then go back to Mexico and live a middle-class life. Look, I, I definitely understand that that's an issue. And but the birthright citizenship, it wasn't created for immigrants. It was created in a time where this country was only black and white people. That policy was created for descendants of slaves. Yeah, And there are a lot of policies that were created for people that came from slavery, that the people that are now here that came from slavery and sharecropping, they don't benefit from these policies at the rate of immigrants mm. and white women. <laughs> but the issue, though, why it, it becomes an issue when other people outside of, again, in the early 1900s, 1920s, when you had Italians, Polish, um, Irish immigrants coming through um, New York, that wasn't a problem. Right, they were coming in in droves and in floods, especially with the turn of the century. But if um, you uh, can, study the time of Ellis Island, that was intentional. There were only like they they allowed thousands and thousands of European immigrants to come in, but there was a cap on the amount of uh, people from India that can mm -hmm. come here. Yep. The amount of people, I think it was from like China, maybe was two it? from each African country could yeah. come a year. Yeah, and so what I'm saying though is that. Again, these policies are only a problem when black and brown people are, are the ones who are benefiting from it, right? And so I think that in terms of national security, there's this false narrative. Yes, there are problems. Yes, there are people who have been, um, you know, uh, brought, bringing over drugs, who have murdered people. But the same could be said for just everyday citizens of the United States, right? I think we're kind of hyperinflating this, this crisis to the point where it's pitting people against each other when – Ultimately, only a small group of people are kind of affected by this, and those are the ones who live by the border areas, right? I want to uh, switch gears for a second. I have I have a question for Sherman, and um, you don't you don't have to get personal here if you, if you don't want. Huh? But when we're talking about identity politics, 
Is there anything personal in your personal relationships that changed once you became like a Trump supporter or at least like let someone or someone close to you know that, hey, I'm, I'm going with this guy? Um, personally, no. Like I said, I only expose how much support I have for him on people that I trust. Okay. I have my one cousin that he we're on the same page on most things, but he still criticizes him a little bit. Uh, and my household, my roommate, he's kind of on the fence. He doesn't show loyalty to either side, really. He just listens, gives his opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no. like, And my mom, it's, it's funny because I don't know where she stands because she'll listen to what I say and she'll agree with my points. And then I'll bring up that it's, you know, one side that I got it from. And she just says, oh, okay. And then, like, walks away. I don't know if I changed her mind or, or uh, got her thinking more about – well, I know I definitely got her thinking more about politics. Which is all I really want. Like, I don't go around hoping to change everybody to think the way I think or agree with the things that I uh, agree with. I just want them to think about why they believe what they believe, mm-hmm. you know, and to and take the time to investigate. Like, if you don't believe what I'm saying, look it up. If you want to check what, you're, what you've been believing, just look, get different perspective. That's what I like to uh, try to get people to do. I've had my friendships, like, change because I've expressed empathy for black people that have like clocked out, checked out of the voting process. Mm. Yeah. Me sad. myself, I haven't checked out of the voting process, but for me to express that I understand why right. you don't want to participate. I get I've gotten pushed back from that. I've had people unfollow me on social media. Mm-hmm. I've had people, yeah. you know, kind of like distance themselves from me in real life because I've expressed yeah. empathy towards those people. Yeah. Or people that may that decide to vote third party mm. i i i value people i value my relationship with people if i've built a relationship with you you saying i voted for trump or i voted for jill stein or i'm not voting because right. i don't see what it's going to do for me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna disregard you i'm not gonna throw you away and there yeah. not to think about it my father's side of the family i see them like twice a year thanksgiving and christmas and now that I think about it, uh, the year before the election or right after the election, I went to see them for Christmas and it was my uncle there and he was talking about how terrible Trump was. And I was questioning him, well, what's so bad about him? And they came out and they was like, wait, are you a Trump supporter? And I was like, yes. And then they all kind of like looked disappointed and sad. And, and, you know, they always compliment me on how intelligent I am. But when I pick something that goes against what they believe, it's just like, oh, well, you're one of them. Kind of like shoot me off. So. Now in the past, the last couple times, I don't even bring up politics because I don't want to uh, feel uh, alienated like that. But I can definitely connect to that yeah. because I have some relatives that didn't vote because of re- religious reasons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I hear them complain about Trump, I'm like, well, you didn't vote. So you had a I mean, I, I get it. I get religious allegiances. I get rules. But I, I kind of say to them like, well, you didn't vote. So do you really have a right to complain? Yes. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Lord's side. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on the Lord's side, too. But, but but, you know, I think the right to vote also comes with the right not to vote. I like that. So if you opt out of that for religious reasons or because you don't see a personal benefit, then that's your right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I guess it's fair, but it's also kind of scary that every vote is equal and everybody can vote. So even a person that spends hours studying this, the um, topics and the uh, issues, <laughs> the same person just shows up to vote because they can vote. I mean, I guess you can't really put a, like, uh, uh, a requirement that you know the issues, but 
it seems like you get better results some some way. I don't know. What That's a, not fair, but well, the Voting Rights Act of I think 1964 <laughs> or something like that. That that'd be again sort of the rule because that'd be uh, um, shoot a voting uh, shoot not a voting tax. Um, but you can't like you can't force someone to take a test or you know pay a, a fee to vote. You know it's just it's a mm-hmm. basic right. But I understand that people need to be more educated on the issues. Right. That's definitely true. But ultimately, I think whatever your decision is, do it. Like it's just your life. It's just your um, you know your opinion, your thoughts. So I'm not going to tell you to conform to any certain idea. But I agree. I think more people need to sort of read up on who they're voting for, the policies, and and um. So the background of people who they who they're electing these positions, but a big problem is that a lot of rural white voters are the same way. So you know, some people think like, "Oh, black people they all vote for Democrats," but a large swath of white rural voters vote for Republicans faithfully without even considering <laughs> any other candidates. So we take we talk about this from the black perspective, but we can't miss them. Like they're they're the same way. They just faithfully devote themselves to this party because they claim that the, their party is going to look out for their best interests. And they really do. They rarely do. Um, So it goes both ways. A lot Mm -hmm. of black people, like, I'm not one of the people like, black people stupid because they vote Democrat. And now, at one point in time, we got something out of the Democratic Party. There was a point in time where we got something out of them. So I get it. But at the same time, you know, to go off of what Kenya said, like, we shouldn't, like, just be in one box. Like, you shouldn't just automatically assume that you have the black vote just yeah. because you're a Democratic nominee. And I mean, historically, the Democrats were um, champions of obviously social issues like civil rights movements and all that. Um, but, you know, as we began to progress and that stuff became not necessarily less important, but became an afterthought. The Democrats say we're, voting, you were, we're, we're champions of, of uh, fighting for those in poverty, fighting for those who are marginalized. But again, I need sometimes I need to see it. I need to see what you're doing. In reality, and sometimes you know we don't really see a lot of that. It's a lot of pandering, you know, a lot of coming to the, the black churches and the communities and saying what they what they're going to do, and then once elected, that's not happening. Another uh, thing too, I think we should think about is that there is identity politics within our identity yeah. politics, yeah. <laughs> and it's like we're living in a world that we can't even disagree. Your politician versus whoever you voting for, you know, you're not going to agree with everything, mm. but it's about the collectivity, and I think again. One of the things that we, um, somebody was talking about, I was watching a show, maybe that was Bill Maher, but it was this idea of civics not even being involved in our, you know, education right. anymore. So we're starting off not even understanding this, the Constitution, you know what I'm saying, how this whole, this whole body is supposed to work. And I think that we get caught up in little things that really don't even matter. It's right. a really about the collectivity of people in your environment, your community. It, are my taxes going to education in the roads like they say they are? You picking my trash up on time? Like we don't even look at the little things. And when I, this past year working in education, when the water crisis hit Michigan, like hit Detroit, like, you know, we knew it was happening in Flint, but it came out in the city and people didn't stand up for that. That's a part of politics. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like that, That's a basic right, you know, and it's a need on top of that. And it's like we don't even speak up on issues that matter across the board. And so it's like for me, it's like now I'm in a place where we really just got to educate each other because yeah. it's like ain't no politician going to serve nothing all holistically and what we really want. But what are we even voting for at this point? If we're not even getting basic needs like water, housing, True. shelter, education, all our taxes is going to this stuff. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat yeah. <laughs> at this point. 
And that's real. And a lot of people out here say, oh, I'm not, I'm not following politics. I'm done with politics. But like you said, politics intersects with every single part of our society. So if you're not following it, then your basic rights, your health care, you know, going to, you know, paying taxes, everything that you touch is interconnected with politics and sort of this idea of um, policies being able to sort of being drafted to impact you in some way. And so I, I don't I hate that argument where people just like, hey, I don't do I don't do politics because you will be impacted at some point down the line. Well, that's just that's just barbershop talk, though, because people in the barbershop say, man, I don't care who's in president. I care about street politics, but it, it all, it's all connected. I think yeah. it's just front and talk when people say that. So. So, Sherman, for you, I know you got a lot of pushback from your family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you typically tell those who, you know, question who you are, just question your blackness <laughs> because you vote for Republicans? <clears throat> Thankfully, uh, I don't have that. Hap- I've never had that happen directly. Mm-hmm. Like question my blackness. Um, Quita and her mom, <laughs> uh, my cousin Quita, they are real adamant about loving, you know, Barack Obama and black people in general, really. But uh, so I try not to talk politics around them, but they do kind of like question, like, how could you have these beliefs when you grew up? You know, we all grew up under the same beliefs, like Democrat all the way. Um, but I just I always try to go back to like, look. I'm not saying you have to change your mind, but not why not listen to different sides? Like if all you hear is the same thing for your whole life, how can you know the other side is wrong? You never even listen to what they have to say. So thankfully, like I said, they don't attack me directly with that. Oh, you're not black. But I feel like if I were attacked like that, I, would, I don't know. I'd kind of ignore it because you can't have it. Like they complain that there's no blacks on the Republican side. Like oh, the racist a bunch of white folks. But then when anybody tries to show support that is a minority. And it's like, oh, well, you are a sellout, you know, Uncle Tom. Like, what the hell? What you can't win, really. It's, it's quite uh, unfortunate. Mm, that's real, though. The biggest, though, the biggest concern I see too um, is that we just can't have these conversations anymore because we're so. It's almost like it's polar extremes, you know, in terms of thoughts and in terms of what we watch. So, like, do you watch mainly Fox News? Do you watch MSNBC, CNN? Like, do you continue? Like, do you? Read things from both sides, or do you kind of just stay within one? Yeah, um, I listen a lot more to uh, like uh, talk radio, mm. and then I'll like I got a few YouTube subscribers I like to listen to, but then I'll occasionally look at CNN, look at Fox News. It's just it's way more entertaining from commentators uh, on the, on the net, and they show clips and they tell mm. me what they say. And if I don't believe them, I can always look it up directly. Yeah. But um, I definitely like I, said, I just love information in general. I love to see why you believe what you believe, and then why do you not believe what I believe. So, yeah, I get a nice mix of all all the news. So when you hear a lot of um, supporters, like Trump supporters, who, again, some of them, I'm not saying all of them have, are racist, but some of them do show sort of racial or say racial things, racial epithets mm-hmm. um, that may be offensive to some. Like, how do you how can you justify, how do you sometimes justify that? Yeah, I justify that by saying... Uh, who cares? Like, they've thrown out the racist card so much now. It's like, like, like we were saying earlier, if you criticize Barack Obama on his politics, it was just, just considered racist. Like, okay, if just talking about an idea that happens to belong to a black guy in a negative way is considered racist, then now I don't care about that word. And it's scary because then real racism gets overlooked. But now when somebody says something like with the old, um, what do you have to lose? Because you've been voting for these Democrats and what do you got to lose? That's considered racist because I'm saying give a white you know, president a chance or Republican a chance. So it loses that that meaning. And like 
So I don't even, um, I mean, I don't even, uh, acknowledge that type of an argument. If you want to argue about why the policy, why a policy we're talking about will hurt, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the blacks, okay, we can talk about that. But to just jump to name calling is, is such a lazy and easy way out. So thankfully I don't even talk to people like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's one of those things where I've seen a lot of liberal, you know, Democrats who, well, liberal white Democrats who do say racial things as well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, who, who are racist within themselves. Um, and so anyone though, but I feel like anyone who shows some, sort of an inkling of, okay, anyone who shows, kind of shows sort of like an inkling of racial thought or racial ideology or racist ideology, I mean, you do got to call it out. You just, personally, I wouldn't say I don't care. I'm going to call it out if I see it. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think it's important to hold people accountable within that. But I also do understand that, you kind of water down what racism truly is when you call everything racist. Right. And I think we had a discussion about that before mm-hmm. on the show previously, but, um, and this has been a great discussion. Been <laughs> that time flew by. Seriously, been insightful. <laughs> uh, any, any last words anyone want to say? Oh, I just want to, I just want to thank you for coming on because mm-hmm. we, we here at can we talk, you know, every guest is an important guest and we do care about perspective and, you know, we, we respect your opinion and we just wanted to hear it from the other side and see, you know, what, what you were coming with. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm glad I reached out to Shannon. I'm glad she got back to me. Like I said, I was super nervous to come on, but. Oh, you, you gotta be nervous. Yeah, you gotta be nervous. Yeah, definitely yeah. come back. Um, just one thing that I was reminded of because of the whole State of the Union being moved or canceled. I was reminded of how when Trump was up there on another State of the Union and he announced that unemployment for blacks was historic low. Mm. And then you pan the camera to the black caucus and nobody was clapping. Like, even if you hate the guy, can you at least yeah. love this number that is so low for the black? No, no one wanted to clap. And I thought that was sad. Those numbers are debatable. Right. And, even and, if they are, but anyone is, is And that is a direct result of what happened to the Department of Labor under under Barack Obama. That's fine. But like, whether but it's his fault or not, issue with the we numbers. should clap for the information, right? Regardless of the messenger. But no, they just sat there. Yeah, I have an issue with the numbers. And it's not <laughs> yeah. Trump's fault. It, it's Obama's fault. Data can, data can always be skewed in different ways, but yeah. that's a whole nother conversation. We want to thank you. Thank you, Sherman. I appreciate it. Right. Uh, thank you, like, Kenya. Thank you, thank, oh, thank you, Kenya. Kenya. Thank you, Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. Kenya's coming back. Of, I'm part of the team. Not right. <laughs> yeah, like and share on uh, Apple, SoundCloud, and uh, Facebook. Uh, comment, give reviews, give feedback, and uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you.